Hello, my name is Jeremy Allen Gould, and I am here to confirm between God and of man. The rumors you've all been hearing are in fact true. Just kidding. But really, I started this podcast because I freaking love music. I was lucky enough to book some great, amazing bands back in the day, and I've been lucky to stay in touch with many of them over the years. This is a place to hear their stories. Thank you so much for writing along in this journey, and I hope you enjoy what you hear. With that said, the rumors are definitely true. Welcome back to the Rumors Are True podcast. We welcome the guitar god himself, James Duke. Uh, you might know James from John Mark McMillan, Matt Redman, Michael W. Smith, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Jesus Culture, as well as his band, All the Bright Lights. Um, I've known James for quite a while, and it was awesome to reconnect and hear so many cool stories from uh, the legend himself. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in and supporting this podcast. I'm looking forward to the new year and the new guests we have in store. So... With that said, the rumors are true. What up, James? How's it going, buddy? Hey, buddy. Good to see you. Yes, yes, yes. How are you doing, bud? Doing all right. Um, yeah, Christmas break is, has arrived for my children, so I'm mourning my uh, freedom that I usually find during the day without them, but... It's Christmas, so families are supposed to be together. It'll be great. It'll be fine. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. I'm a great. I mean, I'm a good dad. I'm a good dad. I know I you just, are. Sometimes, sometimes you just need a little space. But it's Christmas time. We're gonna we're gonna chill. Absolutely. Home alone on the on the on the TV. The usual good old what's, fashioned family Christmas. What's the What's the favorite favorite family Christmas movie? Well, my favorite. It's probably uh, Christmas Vacation. Great movie. But um, I feel like my kids, well, or at least some of them, might be a little young for it still. You know, the yeah. pool scene. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. the, <laughs> I just had but, that um, conversation the other day, too. <laughs> I mean, me personally, I've, I've watched it already like three or four times yeah. this year. But um, I would say uh, Home Alone... One and two, yes. and Elf are probably the family's favorites. That's awesome. Those are great ones. That's awesome. But I really love The Family Stone. Do you watch that one? The what now? The Family Stone. I don't think I've seen that. You've never seen that? Should no, I have so seen cool. that? Yes, it's so good. <laughs> what is it? Um, well, like, uh, uh, the, whole, the cast is awesome, but it's got, um, you know, Diane Keaton's in it. Um, the guy that was from that TV show coach, I can never remember his name. Oh yeah. Uh, Craig something. Luke Wilson's in it. Sarah Jessica Parker's in it. Um, Rachel McAdams is in it. Uh, it's great. It's really, I have not seen that. You need to watch it. It's funny. I bet it is. I love Luke Wilson. It's funny. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Um, I would actually probably say Christmas Vacation as well, to be honest with yeah. you. Or I'm one of those that thinks Die Hard is amazing as well. Um, but yeah, Christmas Vacation. I uh, We went to a um, party the other day and uh, fa- a family in our city group at church 
they dressed up as all the characters and their little daughter dressed up as Aunt Bethany and she looked just like <laughs> it was incredible. It was incredible. I, like that. I know. But anyway, yeah, so I love that movie and I'm not really a Christmassy guy, but I do enjoy a couple of Christmas movies from time to time. And I do like a couple of Christmas records. Um, Which ones? I love Sarah McLaughlin's um, Winter Song. That record's mm-hmm. incredible. Um, and yeah. then I love I love Jimmy Eat World's last cover of Last Christmas. I think that's one of my favorites. I don't know and if I've ever heard that. You need to listen. To, it's it's a banger. Like I mean, it's already a banger song anyway. But it's just I don't know. There's something about it I love. And then I love the you know the Beach Boys record, the Christmas record, and then oh yeah, you know what? I actually love John Mark's uh, Christmas record. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. really good. That's but cool. uh, yeah, I probably should like more. But those are the ones on top of my head. What are, what are your favorites? All the Sufjan oh, yeah. uh, ones are so magical to me. Um, and then I love the Over the Rhine Christmas album. Oh, I think yeah. they've done a couple, but they have one that they have that song, All I, All I Get for Christmas is Blue. And it's oh. uh, so good. They're so um, good. Yeah. And then the Rat Pack ones, oh, yeah. um, obviously. So obviously, obviously <laughs> sick. All right. Well, let's delve in a little, if that's cool with you. Um, that's just cool. kind of wanted to talk out. Well, I don't remember when you and I first met. I know I probably met you through your brother, but I just, I can't remember. I think you and I kind of met up in Charlotte one time. Um, when I was yeah. in town for some weird reason, I don't know why. I think I the first time, the first time we probably actually hung out. I think we knew each other on Instagram or one of those things, you know? Yeah. That's, that's where, uh, through all our friends and stuff. But I think it was when Sun Bears came and played, you were with them. Oh, that's right. And that was, and they the played evening the Muse. evening Muse. Yeah. 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 And that's... I think that was maybe one of the first times we hung out. Yeah. That makes sense. I think I, I think I went there for some, I don't even know why I was there, but I think you and I just met up at a bar one time or a, place that you and I met up and had a, a drink and I can't remember what else. And then, oh, and then I, I do remember I worked the John Mark show at the night, the whatever. Oh yeah. 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 And you, I know you had played um, that night. Yeah. Yeah. That we, cool. uh, that was a fun, fun night. Yeah. Sure. That was a ni- nice night at the night. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is stupid. Um, anyway, <laughs> So tell me, uh, let's talk about James Duke growing up. Oh, yeah. Well, Jacksonville boy, you know. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I was born there, lived there most of the time. We actually had this small stint in Georgia probably when I was – John was actually born in Georgia. In the really? Georgia so we lived there for like – like a handful of years, maybe three or four. I don't remember exactly, but um, my parents were pastoring a church there for a while. And so, but we moved back right when I was starting kindergarten back to Jacksonville. And so, yeah, that's where I was raised basically. And um, yeah, my uh, parents are preachers and missionaries. So they traveled all over while I was growing up. Um, and yeah, I just kind of did that homeschooled, you know, unfortunately for high school, 
Not unfortunately, oh. but sort of unfortunately. <laughs> I kind of forgot how to talk to people for a couple of years, I think. But uh, um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. I I grew up, you know, with uh, the Bowser guys and oh yeah, well, Jared's mutual. Jared says hi, by the way. Yeah, I bet he does. All kinds <laughs> of uh, <laughs> all kinds of um, uh, lots of mutual friends in Berlin. Since I've known him since we were teenagers, and yeah, uh, yeah, I kind of just grew up playing. Uh, we, I really grew up in Neptune Beach, and so um, skating and surfing and playing guitar. And yeah, that's what happened for me. When uh, when did you start uh, pick up a guitar for the first time, or when when did that kind of come up? And and was music blaring in the home? Um, you know, kind of how was that? Yeah, um, my dad always had a guitar in our house, um, different ones because he would end up giving it, giving whatever guitar he had away, and somebody else would give him another one. Like it was like this revolving uh, acoustic guitar thing that would happen in our house. And but I never saw him play it one time. I never saw him play guitar at all. But it was always in the closet or sitting around somewhere. And so like me, I would pick it up and you know bang around on it. Uh, but it wasn't until I was probably twelve that I started getting interested in it more. Kind of because I had a couple of friends that were started to take guitar lessons and they had they had electric guitars and so i just wanted to be part of the the club and so i um i remember i got a electric guitar for christmas one year and we would we all went and took lessons on the same night the same teacher all three of us and it was like it it was cool because it like immediately became like a communal community type thing playing guitar like it wasn't yeah. um and so that kind of made it way more fun kind of way more competitive like you know like yeah. in a good way um and just like just getting to even when you're just learning just being able to play try to jam on some songs with some friends automatically like it kind of right off the bat i, I was kind of exposed to that and i think that probably helped a lot um so but yeah i and then over the course of a probably about five years i kind of stopped skating and stopped surfing and stopped doing all that kind of stuff because i was just all about playing guitar like i would just i'd be in my room all day uh every day almost just blaring albums and playing along with them uh trying to learn guitar solos like jimmy page or joe perry or whatever guitar solos and just just like shredding I, in your room i got up just shredding just shredding <laughs> and there it was there were always so there was always like music and loudness going on in our house we had four four kids and my parents there was all they always had music playing but it was always like integrity's cassette of the month and mm. stuff like that you know Mm -hmm. And so, like, they were always jamming the worship music in the living room. And, uh, but then my brother, my older brother would be in his room listening to, you know, U2 or Led Zeppelin or something like that. And my sister would be listening to The Cure. And mm -hmm. then John would 
John would be in the garage playing drums or listening to something else. Like we were always, there was, it must've sounded insane in our house because there was always something, multiple records being played at the same time. Were your parents bummed on the secular music? (laughs) Uh, not by the time I got old enough to like start really getting into music. I think my um, older brother and sister got the brunt of um, that. I think there's a really fun story where my mom found a of my sister's. It was either like a Faster Pussycat album <laughs> or, or like maybe Aerosmith. But, but I don't, can't remember, but obviously she... Uh, it was one of those two, but she must have looked through the lyrics and gotten uh, felt the uh, spirit, the demonic spirits coming out of it, and took my sister to the mall to the record store and let the cashier, who was definitely not the person that sold it to her, <laughs> probably <laughs> let him have it, you know. And uh, and I'm sure my sister was probably like. I don't know how old she was, 15 or 16, and obviously wanted to kill herself, I'm sure, right then. But they um, they kind of chilled out. I think um, by the time, yeah, by the time I was kind of getting older and started to get really into music, they they didn't really have much to say. I was a pretty good kid, you know? Yeah. So I think, like, I think, I think as long as uh, they, you know, I I wasn't really ever out getting in trouble and yeah. doing you were God knows busy what. Shredding like, in your room. I was just busy jamming for the lamb and listening <laughs> to my secular music, and so they were fine with it. Um, was Was John playing with you as well in there, or was it just you by yourself? Yeah, he he started playing like he I'm, he started. I remember getting got his first bass, and then he got a guitar. He he liked drums for a while and so like he would kind of switch around but he would definitely be in his room Doing his we went thing. between sharing rooms and not sharing rooms so i can't remember exactly the timeline but he would definitely be in his room practicing and playing too um i know you mentioned your dad had a guitar in the house was he did he play as well or was there like just um this like um in the family was there like musical musicalness throughout the the history of the family or yeah no no he had never like i yeah i said like i said like i never saw him play it i think maybe like when he was younger he he could play a little guitar or something but i don't know like it was just funny because there was just always a guitar but i like i don't know he just it's like he he just made sure there was a guitar in the house for some reason my older brother (laughs) meant for you guys uh, I know my bro- older brother and sister never were interested, but me and John definitely were. Isn't your older brother? Doesn't he do sound too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think we stayed at his house one time when we were in Austin. I think something <laughs> like so he was out of town. <laughs> he was like out of town. I think his girlfriend like came, met us at the show and was like, "You guys can stay here." So he stayed overnight. I think he was That's out so with awesome. Willie Nelson or something or something like that. Yeah, I just saw him. I hadn't seen him in a little while, but I just saw him a couple weeks ago at the Ryman. He's out with Jason Bonham doing oh, that Led Zeppelin, Led yeah. Zeppelin experience. So I went and hung out at Soundcheck and listened to him. But yeah, he's 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 been out mainly monitors, but he does do front of house too. But I mean, everyone from like 
Guns N' Roses to Elvis Costello to Blondie, B-52s, uh, Modest Yahoo, like, like just all kinds of really high-profile acts all for years. Is he front of house? Mostly monitors, but oh, monitors he hold, some, some of the artists he does front of house, but I think he's mainly does monitors. What a cool gig. That's awesome. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's I guess still out. I he guess had, if you don't want to be around all the time. <laughs> <laughs> he had stopped. Um, he had stopped for a few years, actually, and then just kind of decided to pick it up again. Um, but he like I think he kind of he likes it, and it's just. I remember when I used to first go and see him play or working, even on the Willie Nelson tours, which were probably that was probably like. 15-ish years ago, or maybe a little bit more when he first started doing that, and I'd go see him at different shows, and he was definitely like the youngest guy yeah. on the on the crew. Just like old road dogs, you know, yeah. like, just yeah. just like back lounge, three people smoking cigarettes, like, <laughs> just not, just grumpy and not even talking to each other, just disgusting. Um, and and he would like be sitting there like making jokes and being funny and like they were just like ignoring him. And I remember being like, this, I wonder if this is fun for him at all. But uh, <laughs> but it's but now it's like he's t- he's the more I should seasoned I should say road dog, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's he's always yeah. I've, I've seen Willie Nelson so many times. It's always so much fun. That's I think he's coming here soon. Is he out with him yeah. now or is he with? The, no, the he's not. Or whatever. Yeah, the bomb. Okay, very cool, dude. That's awesome. It's so cool how all three of you guys are somehow linked to music in such a pivotal way. I think that's so cool. Very, yeah. very lasting. You know, from your parents and stuff. I think that's really cool. Yeah, they were definitely always really super supportive, even though they weren't musicians themselves. They were all like, they were always so supportive and buying us gear and guitars and stuff so yeah they were that's great. awesome that is so cool sweet so um i know you kind of mentioned and delved into the, some of the bands but i wanted to go over some of the influences and your favorite bands and favorite records and favorite shows that you've kind of um experienced or 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 changed your life i guess i should say um I, yeah i'm what just name some some of the bands and the records that you just really just uh touched touched your life <laughs> yeah, I, I would say like probably the first record that really affected me real strong was the Joshua Tree, mm. um, and that sort of carried on till till now. U two was just a huge; they're just the best. Yeah, growing up for me, um, and uh, also though, um, I kind of when I was uh, a young probably 13, 14 is when like all the Pearl Jam and Nirvana and all that kind of wave came. And that was the huge, that was huge for me. And so um, the first couple Pearl Jam albums, uh, the Mazzy Star, I remember just sitting in my room listening to that for hours every day. Oh gosh. Um, Oh yeah. I love that album (laughs) I know. I know. That song never um, does that record and that song the yeah, just never get old. 
So good. And so like all through that and then like more. Uh, and so like the 90s were just for me were pivotal with all the music that was coming out. It was so exciting. Um, and then when Tooth and Nail started up like that, that was like a whole new wave because that was honestly like the first time I really listened to like Christian quote unquote music, mm. you know, because I was never I didn't I never listened to CCM music ever. Like, uh, and so, but when uh, there was a, there was this record store that opened, it was like a Christian record store that they would, they just had everything, like, like everything you could imagine. No, it was, uh, it was called The Rock. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was over on Beach. Yeah. Yeah. And they, like, those guys, Chris, and who owned it with his parents, like, he, he was like an encyclopedia of yep. Christian music, like every genre, the most obscure stuff he would have. And so uh, you could go there and they'd, he'd let you listen to stuff. And yep. that, and like the tooth and nail thing was so cool and interesting because it was so exciting that, you know, because most people, especially nowadays, like aren't fans of, record labels you know but like you would wait for the new tooth and nail record to come out like Absolutely. whoever it was and like it was so exciting and um that that was that was the first time that i started getting interested in like like oh maybe i could play like some kind of music like that and that was that was probably the catalyst for a lot of it because i finally found some music that was actually cool to listen to yeah um uh like Morella's Forest oh, yes. and and Starfire of course. Preach it. Preach it. And and do you remember do you remember Curious Fools? I do remember. They were like the U two of Christian or, or so they say. They were like U two kind yeah, and but like kind of seventies rock. Yeah. Like their first record is so I still listen to it. Like I remember uh the last time I was at a um, Cornerstone, you know, they had those like $2 CDs of all like new old stock. I remember yeah. buying another copy of it. It's because I was like, no, I will never see this album again, ever. And yep. so I need to have an extra copy. Um, that record was one of my favorites ever. Interesting. Um, so good. The singer was so awesome. It was super vibey. And like, it's sad to me. Like they, they put out a couple other records, but like, I remember when their second record was coming out, like it kept getting delayed. I think their label went under. It was Via Records. Via, yeah. And, and like that album, like you could never, it, it like came out eventually, but not really. And so no stores ever had it. And it was like crazy artwork. It was like, I don't know if you remember, it was called Red. And so the CD case was red clear you know see-through red but like all the artwork was insane and so it was like almost like 3d looking like you could put it under the thing okay. and you could see different stuff under it and so it was like i must have spent so much money it's probably on the label one probably under. Went but um but but like that first record was so uh, great and i remember seeing them at atlanta fest whatever ones at six flags you know mm, they yeah. played like the late night show you know, so like, I don't know, all the whatever the fr- bands. The fringe bands. Yeah, like uh, they got to play the late night in like the campground looking bangs, you know, like mm-hmm. under one of the like 
where all the covered picnic benches were, they set up a stage. And it was so, it was probably like 100 people there. And they were so good and loud and just, they just awesome. killed it. And so that was the only time I got to see them, though. Uh, but they, um, but yeah, they were one of my favorites. I was actually, we were going to, one band I was in was going to open up for them when they were coming to Jacksonville, and then they broke up. And I was, what band was that? Heartbroken. El Camino. I thought so. I was going to ask. I, yeah. You know, it's funny. I remember. So I, I don't know if I ever told you that. You remember Smell of Wonder, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like shows with them all the time. Yeah. So I was like their their manager per se, and so I would always see uh, the name El Camino. <laughs> and I, I I remember being like, "Who's this band? <laughs> Who? What, what's sure this band all about?" And it, it was yeah. just. I just specifically remember it. How, how old were you guys? I, I was going to ask. We were going to get into this anyway, but how old were you guys when when that started? Was that the first band or? That was my first band. Yeah, um, I was like probably sixteen, maybe fifteen when we started. Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. We we kind of went for a few years, but um, it all started. It started as a joke between with me and my friend John who became the singer and we wrote this stupid song and had friends at the radio station and they played it was and it um what's uh who was your was it metalhead ed or <laughs> no it was Christian uh, rock the rock shop <laughs> no it wasn't him he would never have had us um <laughs> it was uh uh what was he called the z-man oh yeah do you remember, I do remember that yeah and it was kind of funny because we played it. We wrote a song about my sister's fish. And we just, like, we weren't cool. You know, we weren't cool kids at all. So we just were like, well, it was sort of silly song. And we, we went in there and like, hey, you should let us play this. And he's like, okay. So we played <laughs> it. And literally, like, <laughs> this isn't an exaggeration. So many people started calling in. Like, this is it terrible. was for weeks at a time and so we were like our huh. toppers and, my, and we were like well my my parents had built a recording studio like a small recording studio and because uh they would make worship records to take to brazil because they were always going to brazil anyway so like they had this studio and so we just went and recorded a uh proper version i would i guess you would call it uh what and a radio edit then they started playing that and then it just sort of took off i mean took off you know for 16 year old kids platinum but, um, recording artists um but then we were like well let's write another song and so we did and then they started playing that and Do then you have we, these re yeah. recordings I think I still have send, a box. That you seems... need to. You need to send me. It. I need to listen. I remember the band. I just don't remember what you guys sounded like, and it really bums me out that I didn't give you guys a chance back then because I felt like we would have been really good friends. Well, I mean, if you were a Smell of Wonders manager, you were probably like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, okay, okay." That's uh, exactly well, what I mean, we played. What I did. We played a. I, I, think we played a lot of shows. I think you did Wonder. too. That's why I know specifically the name. And we definitely like, like if smell of wonder was like number one, 
we were like number two and a half. <laughs> we definitely weren't three. <laughs> we you weren't burning hearts. <laughs> no. Uh, but we started getting asked to play shows. We were playing shows around town all in, all in Georgia. Uh, we, we started getting gigs, you know, and like it just started happening. And so we were like, well, what do you do now? Like the, my older brother decided he was going to manage us. Um, and all, actually, he did a pretty good job. Like he would get us paid really good. And like he's like, let's make an album. And so we made an album. <laughs> like, And so there was a couple of years where we were playing regular shows and it was fine. Like we definitely were not good at all when we first started, like at kids and every kid that starts a band. Um, but then like, I felt like we kept writing and, you know, our songs got a little better than they were yeah. originally, but, um, but yeah, we did that for a couple of years and then we kind of just fizzled. Yeah. What, um, how, how, how many, did you guys the opening for? I know you said played a bunch of shows. Was did you play mostly at like Murray Hill and you said Georgia and stuff? But was it like opening for other bands at all, or were you just support? Yeah. Or? Um. <clears throat> we, yeah, we would play different. Like we would play the Mur we'd play Murray Hill. We'd play. Um, what was remember when New Covenant played all had yes. all those shows? Going yeah. On? They had the best shows. I mean, yeah. I saw so many good shows. Yeah. Um, we played shows there. We played. I remember one time it was like us, Smell of Wonder, and Smell of Wonder opening for Eric Champion. Uh, yes. Okay. I have so <laughs> that. So Eric Champion found the Smell of Wonder song and then contacted them or us and was like, hey, I love your band. I want you to be my band. <laughs> yeah. They were like, okay. And he's like, I have a tour bus. And we were like, and they were like, okay. And so we literally went down to like, I want to say Fort Lauderdale for like a weekend. We did like a weekend thing where Smell would open and then they would play as his band and he, they would be in like Fort Lauderdale. Was that after or before that show? I want to say it was after. It had to have been after because he probably was like, yeah, oh, this probably heard him. Yeah. Yeah. And then so we did like Fort Lauderdale and then maybe Orlando and then Jacksonville or something like that. And I remember being on the on the RV and I was like, this is the life. This is it. We've <laughs> We've made it. Of course, you know, probably make it a hundred bucks a night or something. Oh yeah, it's that probably. But um, I remember that show was was uh, fun, and I, I like we had a really good drummer that we kind of found through another friend. And I remember, what's the drummer from Small Wonder's name? Mike Von Balsen. Mike, Mike, yeah. Mike loved him. Like Mike thought he was so good too, which we thought was awesome because everyone knew Mike was so good, yeah. you know? And so like, that was probably the only good thing about our band was we had a half decent drummer that could actually hold the song down while the rest of us tried to play him the songs. But, um, but, uh, that Eric champion show, I remember the bass player he had became the bass was the bass original bass player in all-star United. Yes. And so I remember when All Star United played that show with Seven Day Jesus and Third Day. You remember that show? Were you there? No, but I was in late. I saw that tour in Lakeland. Okay. And so, and All Star United, like, they didn't have any music out at all. All they had at their merch table was uh, like a 
a, glo- a photo, you know? Yeah. Like the big uh, whatever. Uh, but I remember their their photo was color, which no one ever did back then. Mm. And I was like, that's kind of cool. Look at that. But, like, they were so crazy live. Like, yeah. people were convinced, like, it was all in the tracks because, like, the guitar players, like, literally spinning around in circles across the entire stage, like, <laughs> holding his guitar out at the edge, like, still playing. And it was like they had seen uh, – they went – and saw Blur play, and then they were like, let's be like let's that. Let's be Blur. But they, I just remember they were so fun. And then, uh, anyway, so I remember when, before they went on stage, I saw the bass player. He was like, hey, man. So we started talking, and I was like, what are you doing here? And he's like, this is my new band. And anyway, it was, but he had, like, told us about that band at that Eric Champion show. He was like, yeah, I'm not going to be, I don't really know how long I'm going to do this. I'm actually in this new band that they're going to yeah. start up. And But... Um, but yeah, so we would play some shows and it was funny. Like I remember being at shows that smell of wonder was opening up for different bands and like they, I was always like, I guess cause I was so young and didn't understand really how to play in a band, but like they would do, they would be making all that huge chaos, you know? Yep. And then it would just like stop. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, how do they all know how to do that at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, because they rehearse, idiot. You yeah. should try. <laughs> yeah. But I remember, I still remember this one show that they did. And they they were playing, the, well, I don't remember what song it was, but it did that. Like, out of nowhere, they just stopped for a second. And I was like, whoa. This is like, a, they're like getting good. These guys are getting good. I know. Um, but yeah. Um, but yeah, we, I know another band that, that was from Savannah that we played with a, a few times, uh, was called Mumble Lily. Hmm. Do you remember yeah. them? I don't think so. Really cool. Kind of like space rock kind of music. That was really fun. Um, but the, like we, we, we would play at Murray Hill and like lots of people would come. Yeah. So Tony really liked us, you know, uh, but so then he would bring us in for like to open up for bigger touring bands that he didn't feel like we're gonna so get a get a good out or whatever but yeah that's awesome that's very very cool so what was after el camino what was there any other bands or was that pretty much kind of uh well i was also you know playing at my church a lot and i kind of liked that more probably because it was a lot easier yeah. But uh, <laughs> uh, but I don't know, like, I because I, I grew up with uh, Jeremy Bowser. Mm-hmm. And so we actually started, we after a couple of years with our, my first band, we had him come and he, would, he was playing with us too. And so he was in that band too for a little while. But um, we were playing at church together and then we were starting to do stuff like around town with just with him and doing different kind of churchy events like that. And so I liked that too. And when, I think when our, the guy that played bass with us at El Camino, when he got this girlfriend that he wanted to hang out with more than being a band, he he left. And then, and then I think we were just like, I don't know, let's just quit. <laughs> <laughs> we probably should have looked at least looked for a bass player, but we were just like, I don't know. Do you know another bass player? No. Okay. Well, let's just uh, go <laughs> on hiatus. Um, so, but I was, I was still, I was starting to play more at my church, which I really liked, like, cause I grew up all, like all those guys that I grew up with at church there with, with Jeremy and 
my friend John and stuff like I still talk to them, you know, like yeah. after all these years, like 30 years later, you know. Uh, and so it was just kind of a natural thing. And we, I started doing more like that. And really um, my parents would do these huge uh, worship conferences in Brazil. Um, like I said, like they were, they, they still go down there and I, they have like a really big ministry down there, kind of like evangelists. They go all over the country and do big crusade events, meetings, things, stuff. Uh, and so for a while they were doing these worship conferences and me and my brother, John and Jeremy, and we would just put a band together and go down there and play them, you know? And so we made a we made a few records doing that that were kind of became pretty really popular in Brazil and so we were I, it was kind of a weird story just because you know like when you're 17 years old and you're playing these huge events in Brazil and then you're traveling around in the states when you're young and like it just kind of started rolling and that was seemed to have more momentum you know yeah and what kind of what uh I don't know. I felt like for what I do as a musician and where my heart was at, like that was just what I was super into and loved and super passionate about. Um, so I was doing, so that kind of kind of took precedence. And, and then with Jeremy, even like we would travel around, you know, Southeast some and play and, local stuff a lot and so we we would do stuff like that and um so that i just kind of started went in that direction i i would i wasn't interested in like starting a band again like like i had uh, and so it was around that time like i was probably 18 or so um i started getting connected with this these these musicians in charlotte and um kind of through mutual friends that my parents had and they uh they would do these these huge uh worship events and make these records that came out in the late 90s it's a church called morning star oh, yeah. and uh um and for a while like they were putting out some really great music and kind of like kind of groundbreaking for the time and they started coming to jacksonville and when they had just been doing it locally in Charlotte and they would come down to Jacksonville to actually the church that I grew up in. And because my parents knew them, like they would start inviting me to, to play guitar with them. And that kind of started, I started getting busy doing that. And I'd go to Charlotte and play. Um, and the first time I went up there to play with those guys was the first time John Mark McMillan, um, like had played a like live kind of wow. you know and so it was like one of the first songs he'd ever written and he and i got to be there and play with him for it you know That's so cool and and like looking back like i didn't know what i was doing and uh it was like i was on stage and i was 18 or 19 maybe and playing with all these like nashville session musicians and could barely like tune a guitar 
And uh, but then John Mark walks up and he's like got this like crappy amp and his guitar in one hand and he's just all like kind of clumsy and puts it on a chair next to him, like pointing at the microphone. And they're like, can you, you might not want to do that with your amp so that we can hear you sing. And he's like, oh, okay. And, you know, it's just like, but then he put like, as soon as he started singing his song, like, I don't know, like it did something to me. Like, I was like, who is this? Like, what is it? Like, even then he like had it you know and so i just remember playing this song with him and after we played i was like i like playing with you and we just became friends and i would come back and forth between jacksonville and charlotte a lot and really kind of found a community and like i kind of felt like i had found where i belong you know and so I, every chance I'd get, I'd go up there and um, just became, yeah, me and John Mark became really good friends. And he, but there was also like, at the same time, there was a lot of the other people who now are, have become super successful, like Josh Baldwin and the, Jonathan and Melissa Helzer. And um, just all that was from the same crew. They're so from Morgan. Eventually. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's crazy. Yeah. They lived a little north and they kind of had their own thing, but they were always going down there and doing stuff with the church. Um, and I started traveling a lot with the different artists that were from that church and, you know, going all over Europe and uh, all kind of, like all over the world, really. And I just loved it. And I felt like I... Yeah, I just want, I want, I would have moved up there at any second, and, but then they think they offered me a job, and that then I was like, well, I'm going. And so that was probably, I think I was like 20, 23. And looking back at it now, probably because I was young and dumb, and my, I had a, a girlfriend that had moved up there too, and that was a perfect excuse also to go, but like, I never like it takes me forever to make any sort of decision. So I can't believe that I was just like, sure, I'll move up there. Like, why not? Uh, it would be fine. No problems. Um, so, um, so I, when I moved up there, uh, I was work, I worked at that church for a couple of years, but, um, event, uh, immediately like John Mark was making records and I started playing with him, uh, Mark Mathis was there. I was playing with him. I would, well, I played a bunch of shows with Mark Mathis around town. I was in his band for a few years. Um, and there was just, there was a really cool, small music scene started happening there, you know? Um, and that's really where I kind of like stepped into my, um, as a musician and, a, you know, a performer and stuff. That's awesome. Did you, <clears throat> did you know that you felt like that you had at a super, super incredible talent? I mean, I know, you know, you can play guitar, but did you feel like you were just upping, upping, upping the ante, I guess, or as you went, I don't know how to describe it. Did you, did you just feel your craft being, you know, just skillful at it? Yeah. Um, because the the type of musicians that I was when I moved up there that I started playing with like consistently, like almost on like a 
daily basis were so much like at a higher level than I was. Yeah. Um, I had no choice but to keep growing and keep trying to get better. And, um, and so like, had I not done that and had I not moved, I don't know what I would, I don't know what would have happened, you know, because I've, I wouldn't have become the musician for sure. Um, but thankfully I did, but they, but yeah, I just, I'm not like, cause even in Jacksonville, like I was, before I moved, I was already starting to like play on records for people and kind of had a name for myself. Even like, I think more because I was so eager to play and I just loved, I just wanted, I just wanted to play as much as I could with yep. whoever. And, um, and I could pick stuff up kind of quick and had a good memory and wouldn't forget stuff. And so like that kind of carried on over the, uh, over the, uh, course of the time and kind of became useful. And, but I learned a lot. There's, there, there's a guy named Leonard Jones that's a multi-instrumentalist, just a monster musician. And he really like took me under his wing and, kind of really pushed me to get better and better and that that was like so valuable just to have someone that like on like took the initiative to actually get me to a better place musically because like back then like I was so shy like I would have never asked anybody like yeah I I was just too insecure or whatever but but yeah so like um definitely when I moved to Charlotte and the more I was playing and I just started getting more interested in like how to make my guitar sound different and not like a guitar and bigger and wider and just all kinds of like stuff like that. And then the more music I was listening to and getting into different kinds of music or different bands and stuff. And it, it just all started like clicking around that time for sure. Yeah. That's, that's really, really awesome. Um, I'm sure that was such a, pivotal time for you you know just in general you know at that age that's that's when you're soaking in the world you know and or trying to at least stay your head above water you know um yeah so when you so when you were playing with john mark is that um did i know you recorded with him what um what which record was it just economy or did you do beneath no um i was actually for most of the first handful of records, even his first one that I didn't even play guitar on, I was there while he was recording it mm. for a couple of weeks. And then I, I, his next record was the song Inside the Sounds of Breaking Down. I played all, yeah. that, all that. And then we did The Medicine. Oh, the, yeah, that's right. Medicine. And then um, and The Medicine was really kind of the record that I kind of found my voice on. That's my favorite record from him. him. Yeah. And kind of him too, like together, like when we were recording it, uh, I remember being in the studio and we're playing these songs and we're all playing live on the floor and it's in this old uh, abandoned (laughs) lumber yard. We're inside the old offices with these like 
25 feet foot ceilings, all wood room, and it just sounds mm. insane. You're like nothing sound treated, and we're all there in a circle. And I remember playing those songs like uh, uh, Reckoning Day and mm. Out of the Ground, and like it was all so fast. Like we would we'd go through the song, and then like it was just it's like one it's like a super live record, and but like. I would like we just start hearing stuff and I just start coming up with guitar parts and I just remember being like I haven't heard anything like this guys like this is crazy sounding I yeah. like I just remember like my heart was like beating out of my chest for like two weeks while we were recording it because it was so exciting feeling to me you know yeah. and uh that that was like a really pivotal record for me really because John Mark like would just let me go he would just let me take it and I could whatever my vision was he really just let me go for it and that's like a super unique thing to have happen with an artist Absolutely. especially with artists like him that like has such a clear vision is so and he's bullheaded about it in a good way and and like he's always in his head he's always thinking and but he would really just give me the reins and let me go go and so uh that record was probably one of the most important records for me as a musician and as a writer and stuff and the um the and so then like he got a record deal and then we recorded some extra songs for it and there was just this momentum and this like mm. creative momentum that was happening and it was just getting stronger and stronger and the the music was getting better and just way more like mature and intentional and um yeah and then yeah the economy record was next and that was a that was another great one it was a little bit of a harder record to make but yeah. so was that with griff I, but yeah and i i still i love that record i always tell i always call it his top secret record because the day it came out uh, or like the week it came out like the record label went under and so it was just like chaos oh, and right. felt like it got it got really overlooked you know um but it has some of his best songs he's ever written yeah. um and so that was another really fun one and we were on the road and we were playing all like you know all over the country in these fun little clubs and they were selling out and it was just really exciting and that was a really fun few years for sure those are great records i, I absolutely i still listen to medicine a, a ton um like i said it's yeah. my favorite from him and I, economy is i mean they're all fantastic i just you know those i remember when i first heard them i was just my my jaw dropped too because i was like what is this this is so different like you know you just you can yeah. just feel the heart of the songs you know in general, I was just like, yeah, I was my mind was blown. I know, and and like, I feel like we. That's why I loved. That's what like initially like made me love playing with him, and even before I was even playing with him, like the way like he sings like his heart's exploding. Yeah, you know, <laughs> in yep. like the best way, and that made it made me feel like that was happening to me. You know. And so then it was just like, well, how do I respond to that with my guitar? You know, it was the, 
we have it's always like that when we play together it's just there's something there that's so different and cool because i feel like yeah he was the first singer uh ever played with that felt like we really got each other like friendship wise but also musically and so that was a great yeah opportunity so um after that did you is that when you started all the bright lights with your brother and jacob or is that kind of was that spurned from touring or yeah um i would say we did that probably medicine had come out so sometime after that but it wasn't it was I, I had been touring with john mark some and, and me and john just wanted to make a record and that's really all we knew and so i remember i had some i, I had a bunch of ideas of songs and a couple of things kind of constructed but that was really all i had and john had some stuff and i remember telling john mark that i wanted to do it and he was like well, i'll loan you the money oh. i was like you will and so he loaned me money to get started with it and at the time it was because we were good friends with jacob but at the time like we didn't know what it was going to be and so we just had Jacob coming in and we were kind of paying him to engineer it and play drums. I mean, paying him, paying him very little, but he was just into it because he loved him and my brother had like a, they were, they were doing records together and producing together. And, um, and so they had a studio at my brother's house, but we just, so we just spent, we went up for, I went down to Atlanta for a week and we just recorded everything that every idea that we had and, Actually, it was funny because the first record that um, John Mark did, I was just there hanging out. And when we were making that record, he just came down with me and hung out for the week. And so he was just in there. And I think quickly we started to realize, like, well, we're, what we're doing is kind of cool. And I hadn't really heard anything like it before because I wasn't. I didn't. I hadn't listened to that genre of music, if it, if that was even part of a genre. And so, like, um, but I remember, well, I would go down, you know, when I could for like about a year, half a year, maybe. Um, and you know, we'd wake up in the morning, go down there to the studio, and then just be like, "What do we? What's? What do we think? What's up? What do we? That's awesome. you know, any ideas? Like." Sometimes it would literally be like, just hit record and I'll just play for a few minutes. And, you know, I'd play around, mess around, and I'd hit like one chord. And then I'd look at John and be like, okay, we just started something and then we just build it. That's and sick. so like, like when we did, there's a song on the first record called um, Chest of Drawers. Mm -hmm. and, and I literally built, because we didn't have... I mean, it was just me, John, and Jacob. And so it was like, Jacob would just start a click track. And I would just I would just start playing like the basic melody, uh, core melody of it. Yeah. And then I would get another track and just build it. And so like, I remember the after the one of the first days when, we, that might have been the first song we did, but like by the end of the day, like we had, just with guitars, we had created this gigantic, sound and yeah. thing and then john played on and jacob playing on. and like 
So it was really just like that. We were building from the ground up every time. And so um, it was really fun and very fun. All of it was real spontaneous. And like, I didn't, I wasn't trying to like come up with interesting guitar tones or whatever. It was just so fast. And I didn't really have time. I would just plug stuff in and be like, okay, that works. And like, it was, but that it ended up being like a pretty cohesive album of songs that all kind of made sense. Like absolutely ones that are going in and out of each other. And like, yeah. It, uh, so yeah. So we, we, we put that out and that was probably, I was really, that was the first time I'd ever gotten to do anything or all of us had done something like that and really for our, our own music and stuff. And that was a great kind of opportunity that really John Mark afforded us. And I remember, I remember back then, like you put it out and you wouldn't get money from like TuneCore for like three months or something, you know, mm -hmm. like it was like that long of a lag. I remember <laughs> the first month of sales, I like show John Mark how much it was. And he's like, I don't know, I'm going to get, I am going to get paid back. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did, he got paid back. I was, that was one of the most things I was most proud of. I That's got cool. to make sure I paid him back, but that was a fun record and really quickly kind of started getting a lot of buzz and attention on all like the indie music blogs mm -hmm. and, um, it was cool. Like I, I literally didn't have any expectations. I didn't, I definitely didn't think people were going to like it. I didn't know. Man, it's a, um, it's a and, banger. Yeah. I love that record. Um, it's very interesting and fun to listen to. It's got a cool mix. The mix on it's really cool. Griffith mixed it. Yeah. Kind of different. It. It's, it's like kind of lo-fi, but still like, kind of super ambient and epic too. And so it's really cool. There was one song, it's the last song was basically, I wanted to, I had this idea of me, like kind of like a long extended jam of, and just me and Jacob and John, there's the three of us, but more just like a, not super layered and not super yeah. overproduced. And Griffith was there. And I remember he was he was recording us while we were doing it because Jacob was playing drums. And I it was just getting so crazy and loud. And I remember looking at Jeremy, he turned around from the board and he's got ear earplugs in. <laughs> and he's just looking at me, he's like, Whoa, what's happening? Uh, but it's a yeah, it's a fun record for sure. I love Griff. He's hysterical. Um he is dude, sweetest. He dude, he's so ridiculously talented, man. Um, and so, he sings stuff. He sings some stuff on that record too. Does he, he really? Really awesome harmonies. Yeah, I didn't know that. Like the background, just like background harmony stuff. Sometimes, like he did the very first track. There's like some singing on it, and then there's these like almost Beach Boy <laughs> harmonies that are like I, bendy, and it's it's him. It's so did, cool. Did he sing on? So my favorite song on that record is "The Door." That's like I freaking listen to that song all the time. Did he sing on that too? No, that's all John. John's got a voice of an angel. My goodness. And when uh, I remember that song was kind of done, 
and it didn't have him. He it didn't have any thinking on it. And I was on, I was out on the road, and him and Jacob sent me. He was like, "Listen to this," and he just sent me a clip, and it was of him singing that stuff. And I remember I at first I did not like it. I was like, "No, we're not going to do that." And he's like, "Yeah, we are." <laughs> And I was like, I can totally see him okay. saying that. Well, now I can't even imagine not having it. Yeah, you know, but like, uh, but I remember just I was just stuck in my uh, demo land, I think. And but yeah, he he like brought that whole record to such a different level when he started like putting words, even though they're very simple and not a lot like just short little things like yeah. he made it a completely different animal when he did that absolutely man i, I love that record it's so good yeah uh, and then the next john mark tour i think after the album came out we opened for the yeah. opening band yeah that's awesome what a what a cool opportunity to get your own music out that's yeah was there how packed were those shows Pretty good. Like he was probably playing like three to five hundred cap That's clubs at that time. Yeah, and I mean, at that back then he was it was very excited. Like people, you know, down the sidewalk just waiting to get in the doors. You know, like good Christian yeah. kids at a secular club, <laughs> <laughs> at like a rock and roll club. They're outside at the doors at like five, and they're like, these kids are not these kids are nerds what's what are they doing out here you're not <laughs> supposed to show up until the headliner is going to play um but no it was so awesome like everyone because it was such like a grassroots thing with john mark like his fans were so great and just so happy that it was happening you know and so they were so supportive they were amazing that's awesome but they they would just hang out and want to bring us stuff gifts and whatever it was always great yeah it's cool um, so, and then, then I think what didn't, didn't, um, you, I think I was looking on uh, Spotify the other day. I think it's already been nine years since you put out the wind and the way and the waves. Isn't that about that? Yeah. That's a great yeah. record too. Um, can you touch on Thanks. that a little? Yeah. Well, we, we started kind of getting attention for all the bright lights that is. And we, we were going to we were in the process of signing a record deal and so we went back into the studio and made a record uh and this one that it's a very different record than the first one it's i i i like the way it sounds and feels probably better than i like the first one i don't think not not all the songs are as good i guess but it's way more raw and just like rock and roll feeling. Yeah. Um, but this time we, we kind of just wrote everything in together while we were recording and kind of different. Cause like I, we both had a lot of ideas that we would hash out for the first one, but this one, like we would just get together and just start playing and just jamming and then, until we came up on something that we thought was cool, then we'd just keep developing it. And we recorded it in John's house. And um, it was, that was probably 
I don't know. I was like having a real rough time, like emotionally and going through a lot of like kind of mental health stuff. And so I was, I wasn't super on my game, you know, but what we came up with is so, I love it because it's, I feel like the melodies overall are really way stronger and Mm. it's like a lot of like the first one a lot like it was almost like like uh i don't know like a lot of the melodies of the first one were more kind of like a little bit adult contemporary-ish and not the way they sound but the way they are constructed and the melodies themselves and this one was just more like rip your head off Mm -hmm. and and so we there's a few songs on there that were so much fun there's a there's a the the opening song on that is so good Mm -hmm. it gets me um john just nailed it with that and it's called steps Mm -hmm. and this sort of like a um very trippy like if you listen to it with headphones a lot of that record is like you'd think we were all like stoned out of our minds when we were (laughs) recording it but uh i don't think we were though um but we uh ghost (laughs) yeah that was a fun record um but i feel like we decided to get out of that we we didn't ever sign the deal like it was yeah. heading that way then we kind of we backed out of it and we were all so busy doing other things gigs that it's sort of we lost a lot of momentum it, we waited mm-hmm. too long to put the record out um and we we played like a release party show with flagship the night the day it came out like our records oh, I forgot about flagship. oh yeah we played like a big show at charlotte at um the neighborhood theater and that was kind of it for that mm. but yeah i but yeah i'm super proud of that record and it's supposed to it's i've got the same deal i had with the first one we're supposed to be putting that one out on, on vinyl? vinyl too yep is there any uh copies right. left of the first record at all yeah Sick. I, I, I think uh, old bear is the one that put it out you know mm-hmm. um and i think they i, I would assume they still have just them. pressed a million copies <laughs> <laughs> yeah they were probably very ambitious <laughs> they probably pressed 50 and just don't have the heart to tell anybody about them <laughs> no way no way that record no, bangs, no i know <laughs> no, that that I think it sold really well. Actually, I got tagged, and a lot of people were super excited. It came out on vinyl, yeah. Um, but yeah, that. And then we we kind of just let that be the last record. I think our last gig actually was we played a huge corporate event at. Oh, I think I remember Gwinnett, John telling me that Gwinnett, <laughs> Gwinnett Arena, uh, and like got paid stuck. i mean just a was the crowd just like amazing bright light <laughs> well the thing that was funny was we did it twice actually uh they would bring us in to be like walk-in music just like space like coolest vibey walk-in music and we would just play our songs but 
this time they had gone and filmed the Atlanta Aquarium and they, we were playing in front of this gigantic screen and there's like whale sharks swimming behind us and just <laughs> it was it's kind of like one of our dreams come true like I think we had actually dreamed about doing it playing at that aquarium and so um that was our last triumphant gig I think but um that's hilarious that's been it and we I still I've, I mean, I've been writing for years for something new. I don't know what it'll look like. John, John we were talking busy. a few months ago. Yeah, we. he called me the, a few months ago, though, and was like, let's make a new record. Aww. And so I don't know. I don't know if we will or not, but. You should. I hope. I, hope, I know, we should. Um, but yeah, I, I have a few ideas for some projects that I haven't fully panned out or thought out, but different ideas but i think it would be fun to make another one more at least but do it one more time just but one who more. knows who's to say but but I, who's to say but i am super thankful for that we got to do that and the things we got to do it was it it did a lot for me just creatively just to be able to kind of get the stuff living inside of my brain for a while just absolutely get it out and so it was fun and and i you know getting to play with my two of my best friends was the best yes yeah um so uh of all those you know previous records we've talked about can you just tell me what your favorite song and your favorite record is i think i have a feeling i know your favorite record just because of what you said earlier but i could be wrong What's uh? What are the? What are your most prized possessions of of records? <laughs> uh, of like records I've been a part of. Yeah. What? What? I guess. What's your favorite song you've ever recorded, and what's your favorite record you've ever recorded? Um, probably I would say uh, my favorite record I've ever recorded was probably the Medicine. I'd say definitely, definitely up there. Probably that's right. my favorite. Um, probably my favorite song I've ever written and recorded is Chest of Drawers on that first All the Bright Lights. So good. Um, even, and so that, that was probably the one I was most proud of, that it kind of came out how I envisioned it. And yeah. Um, yeah, those two. That's cool. Those are what I would think too. Um, so I want you to saddle up your horses for this next intro. Mm -hmm. So what, what brought you to, uh, I guess, uh, the Stephen Curtis Chapman world? Uh, well, it was really weird. I was in the Cincinnati airport and my flight got delayed for like 17,000 hours. And so, and, uh, and I was just sitting in this little kind of section that was like in the very middle of like the huge open space for, in between all the terminals and sitting on this chair miserable and I got this email and they the guy introduced himself as Stephen Curtis Chapman's manager and saying that he Stephen was kind of dreaming up what his next few years looked like and really wanted a guitar player that could do what I do and 
I was, I thought it was, I thought one of my friends was playing a joke on me because I was like, <laughs> this is the most random email I could have possibly gotten. And, and so I think I texted my brother, uh, John, I was like, John, I just got this email <laughs> from Stephen Curtis Chapman's people. And he goes, oh yeah, that guy actually reached out to me to get your number. But I was like, I'm not giving you his number. And I thought I just gave him your email. <laughs> and so, Such a John thing. I know. So, yeah, he must have just, he's like, who is this guy? Uh, so um, that was, they reached out. And like, I didn't know him. I Honestly, I never listened to his music. I knew like the chorus of the great adventure, you know, uh, just, it, but it was just never something I had ever really heard. Cause I, cause I never listened to yeah. CCM, but, um, and so I eventually got, got on the phone with the manager and kind of talked through what he was wanting to do. And he was like, it was kind of a funny conversation. Cause he was very being very much being a manager, you know, mm. he's like, He's like, oh, yeah, so he would just love it if, you know, you could play with us on some stuff. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and he, he was like, well, kind of trying to talk business stuff. And he was like, but you don't live in Nashville, right? I was like, no. And he's like, ooh, that might be an issue. And I was like, you called me. <laughs> <laughs> you called me, man. Uh, not an issue for me. Um, I was like, I mean, it's not an issue. If you don't live in Nashville, every musician knows you get to where you need to go. But yeah, uh, so I, they basically asked me to come out and play some shows and they sent me some songs to learn. And it was like probably five songs. And I remember going through them and his songs are not easy to learn or oh, play. Yeah. And so I was like, play uh, trying to figure them out and learning them and spending some you know a couple of weeks probably and i was like he's saying he's headlining festivals uh, this is not enough music and so i asked again and then they sent me about an hour's worth more when i had like three more days left to play them and i was like oh my god this is going to be a nightmare and so i just spent hours every day all day for about a week trying to learn all his songs and figure out all these crazy unison lines that you're supposed to play with the whole band and uh the first show the first show was him headlining a festival and he wasn't like we flew in it was in new york we flew in uh had a sound check at six o'clock in the morning he wasn't even there and it's a three-piece band they you know and it's no tracks there's a click and that's it and we're they want to run a couple songs because it's sound check there's no one singing and like i've just learned you know 90 minutes of music and i'm just trying to be like okay which song is this like i don't even like, I can't even remember. And I remember them being like, all right, we're good. You good, James? And I was like, uh, I guess. I was like, well, 
He didn't even check his acoustics. So I guess turn that up in my ears and then turn his microphone up and we'll just see what happens. And so I remember it was literally like, it, it was like an old school movie or something like kind of meeting them as you're walking on stage sort yeah. of thing, you know, nice to meet you. And I was like, I was like, these guys have a lot of faith in me. <laughs> I was like, what if I'm not even good at like, what, <laughs> what's, what, what if I didn't learn them? Like, uh, and so um, I remember going up on stage and Michael W. Smith was direct support and uh, Stu G's playing that play. Oh yeah. From and I was like, and him, you know, just hero. And, and I knew him a little bit and I was like, Oh, this is going to be so embarrassing. I like, he's going to just hear me like fumble through a whole set. And, but um, I actually made it through alive, which I was very thankful for, but there was, it was definitely kind of, touch and go a little bit like i didn't mess up but there was definitely i'd be like playing a song trying to remember that song but then thinking about the next song because like not only am i just playing like i'm starting songs like i'm the only electric guitar player and like (laughs) (laughs) and so i was just it was so stressful and i was getting off the stage and i was like wow and so then I, you know, I played like a, a run of shows for a week, I think maybe, and that was it. And then like I didn't talk to him for a little a while, um, and I was like, that wasn't even worth it. Like that was so much work. I never even heard back from him, but um, but it was great. And like he's the sweetest guy, and was, they were all so welcoming and nice. And uh, but then I had. I was in the process. We were kind of in the in process of moving to Nashville. And so um, when it was literally probably the first real day I was in town, I ran into him randomly. Like this time of year, like Christmas time. And he was like, what are you doing here? Did you move here? And I was like, yeah, just today i just got here <laughs> and he was like holy he's like i cannot believe i just ran into you he's like i'm on tour i just flew in an hour ago and i'm only here because my wife's here i was gonna run in and say hi to her then i gotta go back out on the road and he's like i want you to play and i was like okay and so you know 24 hours later they had sent me all their tour dates and so i spent a couple of years touring with him and it was great that's awesome i love yeah i love um when I grew up listening to him, that was on on the rotation in my household. So he's a uh, super talented. Dude. I love his son's bands too, or Colony House. Oh uh, yeah, there. and I and I I think that's how you got you got the call because they were loved John Mark McMillan music and like so they knew they knew of me and I and I think that's how. I think they told him maybe like I gotcha. you should get James Duke to play guitar for you. He was probably like, "Who? Who was that?" <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the, his boys are <laughs> such great guys, and they're so good. Yeah, their band's yeah. awesome. I think you got me on the list for a show for them one time. I forget oh, yeah. down in the same happy, happy to help. Yeah. So after the. Uh, <clears throat> Stephen Curtis, did you, did you play with Smitty, right? Yeah. I um, I I played, really, I've only played with him twice. 
Mm. For and they're both for like live records. Um, so the first one, uh, I got a call from the producer who I knew, and he was like, "Hey, we're doing this record. Um, really, just kind of wanted to get an, an extra guitar player because Stu G was playing on it, who's again my damn hero." hero. And uh, he's like, "So you know, we'd love to have you." And so that was like the first time I had met smitty and most of his guys and so i played on a record he had he did a couple years ago called uh waymaker and um and so but that was kind of it like i didn't and I didn't really do anything else and then like maybe a year later uh they called me again and they're like we're doing this huge live event at bridgestone arena and we're going to record it and we're going to do all this stuff. And you want to come play for that? And I was like, sure, I'll just be the recording guy. Uh, but so I did that too. And it was awesome. Um, he's, he's another, like, it's, it's really cool because the, you know, Michael Levy Smith, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Amy Grant, like mm. these artists that are still around, mm-hmm. still doing it. Like, like, you know, invented the genre Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all so sweet, so kind, like no ego, no, like they're just great people. And it's kind of encouraging. You I know? love that. Like, it's really awesome, man. But it, I, yeah, so I got to do those two records with him, which was, I was super honored, you know, absolutely. Like, it was just their normal band and they just added me to it. So it was great. Did you ever, on any of those times, just look over and be like, I'm playing with Michael W. Smith right now. What the hell is yeah. happening? Yeah. And for rehearsals uh, for that first record I did, um, Steve Curse Chapman, like, stopped by to say hey. And so he walks up on stage, and then him and Smitty are standing there talking to each other, and literally you look around the room, and everyone's just watching them, like, <laughs> You're like, everybody's like, this is crazy. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's wild. One of my favorite uh, memories of that, those Smitty records was uh, he had everybody come over to his house to kind of talk through what his vision for the recording was. Like we ate dinner, then we all went into his big, his living room and we all kind of sat around and he just wanted to talk about it and then, you know, and he, he's so, I can't emphasize how sweet and kind and just down that. to earth he is. And so he's just talking and, you know, kind of see it doing like this and this and like this song, like I really want it to sound like this. And so he just gets up, runs over to his piano and just plays a whole song. And I was just standing there like, or sitting there and I was like, this is such a weird situation i found myself in and right then stoogie comes over and like slaps me on the shoulder and he goes no big deal just michael w smith playing songs for us and it's like oh my gosh <laughs> that's hysterical uh, it was so cool like uh, i mean even the fact like even stoogie being there you know mm. and like his bass player is auto prize who they call sugar bear who was like the original dc talk yeah uh, yeah yeah just uh just uh he was the guy like Toby Mac would run across the stage, jump in the air onto his back. Yep. And like, he would carry him all over the stage while he was playing bass. And he's there. And I'm like sitting next to him and I'm just with all these like kind of giants in the music industry. And it was so 
was one of those moments where I was like, how did I do this? Yeah, I, I can't but, imagine. Yeah, it was fun. Was Amy Grant backstage? Oh, man. She's the best. I love her. I took my wife to see her about a year ago. No, two years ago, I guess. And she was unbelievable. Like, um, she, she is. She got really hurt a couple of months ago. Yeah, I saw that. A few months ago. She had a bicycle accident and got, and really injured herself. I, yeah, that's her, awful. Hit, hit her head really hard. Mm. Um, and but, I think, but she's she's doing good now. Well, that's good. Um, so after all that, I, I think I wanted to kind of touch on uh, your time with the silent film. Uh, yeah, British band. Um, that I love. Um, yeah. So tell me kind of how that kind of happened. Um, well, after, um, after that economy record and the tours and stuff, I had stopped playing with John Mark and I was kind of just in this kind of figuring out what I was going to do next time. And funnily enough, John Mark's manager called me and was like, Hey, I've got these friends in this band from England called a silent film and um, their guitar, the guitar player in the band uh, has left and they need somebody and they, and I thought of you and, you know, I didn't know if you'd be interested or not. And so yeah, hold on, Jeremy, one second. Yes. Taylor. Um, Anyway, uh, and so I listened to their stuff, a couple of their songs, and really dug it. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll at least meet them, talk to them. And so I had a Skype call with the drum, the drummer, whose name is Spencer, and um, he kind of told me what they were doing and what they had been doing. I, I because I don't think I'd ever heard of them before. And I know that they had had some traction, they definitely had some traction and as an independent band, had some pretty good radio success and in the States. But so he kind of told me what was going on. We, you know, hit it off a little bit and then I had another call and, and I told him, I was like, kind of told him like what I had been going, what had been going on. And I was like, I've just been, you know, I don't know if I even want to do her right now i don't know if i want to do that i don't you know i don't i've been i've been you know I, I might just need a break or and so i was like i'll call you back well, let's talk in a week and i listened through more of their songs and uh i just felt good about it and so i was like let's do it so i did their u.s tour for that they had scheduled which was really fun but it's funny like i met them on skype you know and it's amazing and, but and I could tell that they were funny and that I, they, they're, I think they were a little concerned because they knew that I was like a Christian musician, you know? And so they'd be like, um, you know, we'd be on Skype and they'd be like, uh, quick question. Um, we're putting together a writer for backstage. Like, is there anything you want? And I was <laughs> like, uh, I don't, I don't know. Like, Just a couple <laughs> Bibles. <laughs> I was like, 12 pack know, of like, Bibles. I was like, like, what's on the rider? And they'd be like, oh, you know, like, uh, usually like a case of beer, bottle of whiskey, bottle of vodka, a uh, couple bottles of wine. Like, is there anything else you would want? I was like, 
no, that sounds great. And they're like, oh, okay, thank God. And I was, <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. I was like, no, as long as I have my own personal prayer closet, y'all can do whatever you want. But, um, and so I, it was kind of the same thing. Like, I had to cram all their songs. And, you know, they, they were like a steady four-piece band for years. And so, like, I kind of figured that it was going to be really hard for them because they're having to find a new member. Yeah. Uh, new, you know, not necessarily member, but they had to you know, be able to find a guy that was going to fit in. And so, like, I worked really, really hard and learned their songs. Like, I spent probably a month. I think I had about a month. And, like... It's like clocking in every day, you know, but I didn't yeah. feel like I got enough time the day I'd wake up five o'clock in the morning the next day and keep going, you know? Um, and so I flew out to Phoenix. I like shipped an amp out already ahead of me and like did all this stuff and flew into Phoenix. They picked me up from the airport and it was so weird. Cause like, you know, you talk on Skype or something and you kind of get used to that. But then like you're in person and like, I'm in their van van and it smells bad. And I was like, what have I done? This is weird. But then it ended up just being the best guys, and we spent a week rehearsing, and then we just toured the whole country. Um, it was and great songs. They have a they had their fan base was like the most devoted. Like like I would be after shows, the the would be meeting their fans and stuff, and like and when I say fans, I mean like fans like yeah. they follow them on tour they're like this is my 50th show i'm like 50 wow. like 50 five zero like 50 shows i was like how do you do that and they're like well you know I'm like how do you even afford that yeah, I know. That's... they're like well you know we it's like going on vacation so you you plan on it and you take a week off and you see five shows i'm like oh my god Good lord like, but like honestly like they it was crazy really like you'd see the same people in LA that you'd see in New York city. Like, and so, um, there's definitely, they, they were, then they were great with their, with, with those, their, their fans too, like really personable. Like they knew them, knew all their like first name basis, like knew what's going on with them. They're being showered with gifts every show. Like it's hilarious. I could That's not believe awesome. it. I was like, um, but that's how they were able to actually do it, you know, like, yeah. And, and so uh, that was one of the first times that made me realize like how important it is to build that relationship with fans and not make yourself like, unavail like don't be yeah, unavailable. Exactly. Like it's huge to go and hang out at the merch table. It's huge to hang out after the show and talk. And just as, as, as long as people want to talk to you and are standing in line to talk to you, you stand there and talk to whoever, because that's, that's what makes people not forget. That's what makes people want to bring their friends yeah. to the next show. And so anyway, um, it was a, that was the first tour too. Like it was kind of a brutal tour. It, it was fun, but it was like really long. I think it was like four weeks, um, whole country. Was it headlining or were they supporting? Yeah. Or? It was headline. Who who opened? Anyone good? It was an LA band called Hands. Mm. Um, kind of like kind of quirky, kind of indie thing band mm. that were really great. But I had I hadn't kept up with or yeah, doing yeah. anything anymore. But um, so but uh, it was really fun. I felt like 
at the end of the tour. The last show was actually in Charlotte, which was nice. I just got to go sleep in my bed that night. But That's like awesome. I had made I had made a handful of really good friends. They took really good care of me, treated me great. Yeah. Like um made sure I always felt like part of it. And uh, and then like then we did a couple one offs and then we recorded a record. I recorded a record with them. Um we spent like three weeks at Sonic Ranch, which was amazing. They, so, you know, they had some pretty serious backing for their band, you know, um, that have be, be afforded the luxury to record for three weeks at Sonic Ranch was awesome. But, uh, but yeah, so it was like their last record, the untitled record I played on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was, I had moved to Nashville and I was busy, and they, I mean, to like, they really wanted me to be in the band, but I just, for where I was at, like, I couldn't do yeah. that, you know. I, I couldn't really financially do it and have it make sense, and I just couldn't be gone that much. And I was already busy, like, touring with a couple other acts, and I was, but I, I, like, hooked him up with another really awesome guitar player. Was it then yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I talked to him the other day. I, he's incredible. Yeah, and I remember I was so excited because I was like, "God, I just can't do it," but I'm so happy because I know who you should get. And so <laughs> I was like, and "It makes me so excited." And so I, I left them in good hands. And uh, but even like my brother played. I yeah. was there. I helped. I hooked him up with my brother or something. He plays some shows with him, a couple other guys. But, um, but yeah, I remember like probably three years after I had toured with them, I was randomly in Charlotte. I think it might have been when I was in town for that John Mark record, and they were playing. And so I went and saw them. And you would not believe it. Like probably 15, 20 of the people there remembered me from the other tours and were like, like talking my ear off, so excited. How are your kids? Like, how are that's, like, cool. was, that's awesome? But they were great guys. That was a fun, it was really fun. The shows were really fun. Uh, they were really talented, great singer, great Super drummer. Good. Um, I loved their songs, yeah, they, they were, were really fantastic. Great. I saw them actually, yeah, I was in Tampa at a festival your brother was playing. That's how I met Matt. Um, yeah, and I love Slow Meadow, so it's like, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. They were really, really, they were awesome. So, very cool, dude. I was just uh, was curious about that. Um, so, we'll we'll start to wind down here a little. I just kind of was uh, wanting to talk about your new gig um, with Centricity Records. Uh, kind of yeah. just tell me how that came up, what you're doing with that, and then we'll kind of close it out. So, um, yeah, well, I kind of started for me um, around the. Beginning of 2019, I had I'd been I'd spent another couple of years just on the road and touring a, a lot, and I had I was just really burned out and was at a place where I I felt like I couldn't I was I was like at this weird point where I'd be on tour and everything was great I was like my career has been so amazing and i'm super blessed and fortunate and you know like everything was always really not everything was nice great tour buses great hotels and everything but like 
I can't sleep on tour buses. Mm -hmm. Lots of people can, I can't. And I don't sleep good in hotels really either. To, yeah, same here. Like, and so I got to the point where like, you know, I'd be, I'd be out for a month and I'd come home and I'd just be like a wreck. Like, just couldn't, uh, just, it'd take me like weeks to recover. And like, I just felt like crap every time. And so I was just burned. And so I, at the beginning of 2019, I was just like, all right, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to tour anymore. I'm going to only play with a couple of artists that I really love and believe in and feel like I, I, it's a good fit. And, but other than that, I'm just going to focus on being home and working in town and stuff. And so that's what I did. I declined lots of tours that I was like, I probably a stupid idea, but I'm going to do it. And <laughs> I, I just, I just was home and it was like the best year. I felt like even for my kids, like, I felt like my relationships with them got so much better, especially my, my daughters. And I was just, it was just a great year looking back at it. And it was the end of that year that uh, a man named John Mace, who started a label called Centricity Music, called me and reached out and just said, you know, we're working on some new stuff. And I, someone suggested I talk to you about it. And uh, and so I went and met with him and he told me like what they were looking to do with the label and kind of build up a roster of, of, of new of worship style music that they had never kind of focused on before. And we talked and had lots of meetings and just then they invited me to join them at, at the beginning of 2020. And I had I had kind of wanted to do an A&R job for a few years. Um, and had talked to a label before that didn't work out and it was definitely on my radar but um it was turned out to be you know if i wouldn't have made that decision at the beginning of 2019 i don't think i would have been in a place or even it would have been on my radar to like listen to a, for an opportunity like this but i started in it's like the middle of february in 2020 and uh it's been great, but you know, it was a, exactly like a month, I believe, that they got everybody that was at the label together and been like, hey, it's crazy with everything going on. Let's just go home for the rest of the week, flatten the curve, and then we'll reconvene. <laughs> <laughs> and then we never went back to the office for a year and a half. Uh, but um, so it's been great. It, I mean, I had I was could not believe how fortunate and blessed that I was that I was had a job through the entire pandemic, you know, and when I you know dozens and dozens and dozens of friends that just got sent home from tours and had no idea what they were going to do. It was the, mm. one of the hardest. I mean, it was that was just awful. I mean, everybody went through it, but. Um, and so it's been a really great opportunity. It's been really fun. I love every one of that label. They're all great people. The artists and bands are really awesome. Uh, and it's given me a chance to sort of help start up a new kind of wing of the label and try to find some good artists. And um, it's great. Uh, for me, like, 
it's been such a cool opportunity and just like career wise I've, I've, it's like fun to like be able to be on both sides of the industry totally. and so so yeah i've been doing AR for it'll be three years in february that's so cool yeah that yeah I, I feel like that's something as a child i i wanted myself now i'm definitely not <clears throat> in that world but it's i, I think that's so cool because it's such a cool i don't know it's just kind of like you get to go out there and just explore bands and artists and all that stuff it's really cool yeah you, um... yeah it's been awesome um it's been great I've, I've got a couple artists um the deal's not done but i'm really excited about that yeah we're gonna bring over and one that i've played you that i'm excited yeah. about a lot yeah that's so. uh, super good i'm really really stoked on that that's exciting dude that's really cool thanks well, yeah it has been great dude it's so thanks good for to talking talk to, to me yeah man thank you i appreciate it thanks for taking time i know we've been trying to get it to happen but i really appreciate your your uh time dude and hopefully yeah we can link up sometime soon maybe Let's when you're do down it. this way are you coming down this way at all soon at all i get to come more now because my parents moved back so yeah. oh, okay I'll, I'll probably be there at least a couple of times coming yeah well let me know just give me a shoot me a text and and maybe i'll see you uh get to see you and your brother at some point as well oh would love that cool the best. dude no you're the best you're the best <laughs> you're the bester you are <laughs> bro find me the el camino stuff i legit want to hear it fine all right buddy all right man i'll talk to you soon okay bye. all right bud bye-bye Hey, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for stopping by to this latest episode. I'd also like to thank James Duke for his valuable time and his amazing stories. It's awesome to reconnect with an old friend and hear his perspectives uh, on the past, the present, and the future. Uh, Thank you, James, for confirming the rumors. Please stay tuned for what we have in store for the future and the upcoming guests we have in line. And I'd also like to wish you a happy belated Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. On to 2023.